Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Sean Simowitz. I'm a One Digital Consultant and Wealth Management Advisor. I've been in this business for 23 years now, surprisingly enough. Um, I want to welcome you all to today's employer advisory session. Before we begin, I'd like to share how much we truly appreciate the time and energy you're investing with us today. I would like to note that this discussion is part of a larger conversation around holistic benefits planning and overall employee well-being. Today, I'm joined by a number of incredible individuals who are very versed in all of the things that we're going to be talking about today. Um, and before I have them introduce themselves, I'm going to introduce myself. Again, I'm Sean. I'm uh, one of the One Digital Consultants. You'll see in my background is Mount Hood, um, which is in the Columbia River Gorge where I live. And uh, very excited to be here with you today. And just something a little bit different about myself, and I'm going to ask my uh, colleagues to uh, say something a little bit different about themselves as well as I've refereed football for 20 years and did 10 years at the NC2A level, um, mostly just high school at this point. Um, so that's something interesting if you needed to know or wanted to know. But while, while we get started off with Ben, let's let you introduce yourself. Thanks, Sean. My name is Ben Smith. I'm Managing Director for One Digital Retirement Services. I've spent over 20 years of my career working in the retirement plan space with a focus in the investment management area. Uh, my team and I help our clients in the areas of fiduciary investment consulting, plan design, and operational support. Uh, we help our clients in the area of vendor analysis and benchmarking, and we also support them in the areas of participant education and communication strategy. And last but not least, helping them implement and roll out financial wellness programs. A uh, little tidbit about me as I owned and operated a hedge fund for about four years. Well, that's awesome. Um, so, Buzz, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, thanks, Sean. My name's Buzz Hartzig. I'm the Managing Director of Operations uh, for the third-party administrative division of Kefaro Greenleaf, now a one digital company. We became part of one digital earlier this year. Uh, our focus is primarily on retirement plans from investment advisory and administrative services to actuarial and record keeping services as well. Uh, on the TPA side, we service defined contribution plans such as 401k, profit sharing, 403b plans, uh, pretty much from inception to plan termination, covering plan document, amendments, restatements, uh, non-discrimination testing, any testing issues that may arise or compliance issues, we help fix those. Uh, as well as tax form filings and participant uh, transaction processing. Uh, we also have many years of experience in defined benefit plans and been helping many clients uh, de-risk their plans. Many of them are underfunded um, and they really ultimately want to terminate those plans with interest rates being so low, liabilities have just skyrocketed in these plans and we do help to mitigate those risks in those plans. So something else that we bring to the table. Uh, Kefaro Greenleaf has been around for over 20 years and my prior firm, which was acquired by Kefaro uh, back in 2018 was around for 60 years. So as you can see, our team has many years of experience. I myself have 25 years of experience in qualified plans, including plan design, compliance administration, with a concentration to define benefit and complex defined contribution plans. A little bit about myself, I've, uh, I was a drummer. I have been a drummer for over 35 years and still play today. And something else that uh, everyone kind of asked me is my name, Buzz, how did I get the name? And I was born in 1969, the same week they landed on the moon. 
my real name is Harold Gordon Hartzig III, and my, all my family have nicknames. So from day one, I was nicknamed Buzz after Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah, I play drums too at my church, and uh, it's a lot of fun um, to be out there regularly and jamming with a group of people. So, uh, yes. Jamie, how about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Sean. Or we should call you Zebra from now on. I want to hear. <laughs> I went to a one double school. Maybe you ref some of it. But I'm Jamie Batmer. Uh, I am the Chief Investment Officer of Resources Investment Advisors, one digital company. And I'm uh, proud to say I, I've uh, had that responsibility for the last almost 11 years and uh, going into my 21st year within the industry. And, and I'm one of the 16 dedicated men and women that are living and breathing the investments on your behalf, on behalf of all of our clients. And so it's a dedicated group of, of CFAs, CFPs, uh, that our job is to, is to make sure we're, we're helping all of our uh, clients make uh, more informed decisions. As far as something about me, uh, I am currently quarantining up at the farm in Smithville, Missouri that I grew up on. And I'm here with my oldest daughter, Vivian, who's nine. And I'm proud to say we just got the results that we are not COVID positive in this crazy 2020. But uh, it doesn't change the fact that uh, she still has to stay home from school for the next 14 days. So we're going to have some, some fun on the farm. Oh, there you go. That's awesome. Well, that's great news that you don't have it. And uh, I'm excited to hear a little bit more about what you have to say later on in the presentation. So thank you all. We're excited to dive in today's um, session. As a reminder, we'll be doing our best to address questions behind the scenes. But if you have some time at the end to answer any of the trending questions, we'll, uh, we'll be asking all of you um, to maybe chime in a little bit. So let's get started with Ben. Um, and let's start the conversation broadly about the connection between health, wealth, and retirement. What are the benefits of looking at a holistic workforce strategy? And what are the key things employers should be taking into consideration right now? Thanks, Sean. Uh, one of the things that we have really acknowledged at One Digital is the convergence between health and wealth. We feel like taking a holistic approach, uh, taking a more collaborative approach, as it relates to your employee benefits offering, no longer siloing retirement plan benefits from traditional health benefits makes a whole lot of sense because those worlds have converged more and more. Uh, things like health savings accounts, things like uh, student loan repayment programs, and then a big uh, topic, top of mind uh, benefit today is financial wellness as a whole. We'll dive a little deeper uh, into those in a few moments, but. Those are some ways that we are approaching uh, employee benefits as a whole and not looking to separate them. We think it makes a lot of sense for benefits consultants and retirement plan advisors to work with their employees and collaborate more because these two worlds are very intertwined. We think that will result in uh, better uh, streamlining of administration for employers. Uh, we think there are integration capabilities to tap into, and through leveraging technology and better informing employees uh, that you sponsor and offer these programs for, it should lend itself uh, to, better, to better outcomes. Uh, one of the things that, that we truly believe in and have a lot of conviction about is that we believe that employers that ignore this convergence of health and wealth ultimately risk the financial health of their organization and also the, the health of their employees. So, so we're really trying to do everything we can to educate employers on how these pieces of the puzzle fit together 
so that ultimately their organizations are stronger and their biggest assets, their employees are better taken care of. Well, that's awesome. Um, I know I work with a lot of individuals uh, on a regular basis, employees at various companies, and it, it really seems the companies and organizations that that tie everything together and and really try to help their employees with the wellness side, especially the financial wellness side, um, tends to lend itself to um, the physical wellness side, which I'm, I have a feeling you're going to talk a little bit about that later on. But um, yeah. Um, so it's the end of the year and we're in the final quarter and believe me, I cannot wait for this year to be over. And I'm sure a lot of you are feeling the same way these days. So let's talk about any additional retirement plan considerations that may be new or out of the norm. So Buzz, as a third party administrator, will you give us some ideas or, or items employers should be thinking about and maybe start with uh, what considerations should plan sponsors be making to maximize their 2020 deductions from a company perspective, but also maybe from an individual perspective. Sure. Uh, and this has been a crazy year. I hope this, uh, we end on a good note here and, and start off next year much better. Um, one of the things I guess is more on the employee side, maximizing their, their contributions to 401k, 403b type plans. Uh, just making sure if they're over age 50, that they're uh, using the catch up contributions and applying those uh, 19,500 is the standard limit, but if you're over age 50, you can put in another $6,500 for a total of 26,000. And a lot of people are hitting that limit right now as we get near the end of the year. So just one thing to keep in mind. And then on a plan basis, really, uh, some ideas are profit sharing allocations that can be changed. They can, they can be changed if you have a plan that mandates that employees must be there on the last day of the plan year in order to receive a profit sharing allocation then it can be changed between now and the end of the year. You can apply an amendment. Uh, different allocations are out there. There's one called new comparability, which has actually been around for a while, but it's still called that or cross-tested plan. Uh, there's age-weighted plans. These new comparability plans are, are very popular. We've implemented quite a few of these over the last 10, 15 years, actually. What you can do is put employees in their own group and maximize owners, maybe other employees that you have in the company that you want to target, put them in a higher group, give them 15% of pay and then give everyone else maybe five, 6% of pay. It all has to be tested, but um, a lot of times it works uh, very well. Another thing would be to add a defined benefit plan. Uh, I know defined benefit plans today are, are by the wayside, but for smaller groups and even 10, 15 life um, employee groups, there may be an advantage to add a cash balance type plan to get really large deductions for owners or again, those key people that you want to target. Again, you can have those groups and you can have multiple groups. You don't need just one, two, or three. Every employee can be in their own group. Again, we've implemented a lot of these over the plan. They are a defined benefit plan, so you need an actuary um, in order to certify and, and give you evaluation each year. But they're great to coordinate with an existing 401k or profit sharing plan to maximize the benefits um, in, in those plans. Age does matter. So the higher or the older that the higher group is, the better. Uh, so if you have a plan that you want to look at, you're considering even a defined benefit or a new comparability plan, you want the average age of the, of the top group to be higher than the average age of, say, the rank and file. But for a cash balance plan, just for an example, someone age 55 making $285,000 or more, which $285,000 is the compensation limit, you can deduct over $200,000 just for that individual in the cash balance plan. So much more than a profit sharing plan would be. Um, and lastly, 
The good news is uh, they've changed the, the deadline for implementing new plans. You used to have to have a signed document by the end of the plan year that you're establishing. So if you wanted to establish a cash balance or a new plan for this year, you had to sign by December 31st of this year, which was very difficult for employers to make that decision. They may not even know what their books look like yet. So now you have until the extended due date of your tax return uh, in order to implement a new plan. So that's, that was a welcome change that was made as well. Wow, that's, you know, I'll tell you, that's a lot of information in a very brief area. Um, so I'm sure uh, we're going to have a few people out there whose heads are spinning saying, what what was this new comparability plan or age-weighted or cross-tested or defined benefit? So, I mean, I'll tell you that it can be confusing. So definitely worthwhile to uh, talk to a professional um, for uh, learning more about what might fit for your business. But you touched briefly on the SECURE Act. Um, could you dive into a little bit more to the changes employers should be thinking about relative to the SECURE and CARES Act uh, that were adopted earlier this year? Yeah, the SECURE Act first, uh, that was passed in December of 2019 prior to COVID and everything else. Um, biggest change there in, in my mind was the uh, minimum distribution, required minimum distribution age from age 70 and a half to age 72. Again, another welcome change. Everyone's working uh, much longer into their uh, into their years, and you know, mandating someone to take a distribution at 70 and a half versus 72, again is a welcome change. We were hoping for age 75, but they they came in on age 72. Um, there is an easier way for small businesses now to offer uh, retirement plans through the uh, multiple employer plans. We have uh, a couple that we're setting up for some consortiums that we work on. They're becoming more and more popular. Uh, it's where you really pull employers together to maximize uh, administrative costs, administrative burdens, uh, fees should be lower. Um, so that's really something that's becoming popular. And they changed the loophole there where if you had one, they call it the bad apple rule, one employer come in and if they had compliance issues, it could actually jeopardize, jeopardize the whole plan and become disqualified. So what they did is now you're able to kick out an employer if they're in and not complying with the laws and regulations. Um, a big thing that, that was changed too in the Secure Act that many may not know, and, and it's important to know, is if you have part-time employees who are making, who are working over 500 hours, less than a thousand, usually they're excluded from your plan. Well, now they have to come in starting next year. So uh, something to keep an eye on, something to work with your third-party administrator on, is to analyze and see which we're doing now, and, and have been for a lot of our clients, is looking to see you know, how many employees may you have now come in your plan. They can be excluded from some of the other employer contributions, but still, again, more of an administrative burden. You have to go after these participants, make sure they enroll into the plan, uh, make sure they, you know, get into the plan. So that, that was kind of a big change um, through the through the through this act, anyway. And then, lastly, uh, you know, automatic enrollment has become a, a popular benefit in these plans. It's really working well for a lot of plans that we have. What it used to be is you would enroll someone at 3% when they were hired when they became eligible for a plan. And then every year, increase them 1% up to a maximum of 10, 10%. Well, they come in now and said, you can now go to 15% maximum. Again, the IRS, all these regulations are just trying to get people more and more to save for retirement uh, to really catch up. A lot of people are behind and that's that was really the driving force behind those changes. Yeah, anything we can do to make it easier for employers or employees to uh, increase their their participation levels is always good. Are there any year-end deadlines or anything resulting from the CARES Act that we need to be thinking about? Yeah, so the CARES Act, is, is that was passed in March, and that was all coronavirus-related. 
um, you know, helping participants cope with, with the crisis that we're in. Uh, the requirement of distributions are actually waived for this year, um, not in defined benefit plans, but in defined contributions, they're waived. Uh, and that was really mandatory. That was really the one thing that they changed that was mandatory, all employers had to follow. The next two really were optional. Uh, a lot of our clients adopted these provisions, but some didn't. Uh, there was a coronavirus related distribution or a CRD, and this allowed participants to take up to $100,000 from their retirement account. Um, they waived the 10% excise tax or what they call the penalty on those distributions. That money is taxable, but the participant can pay it back over three years. Uh, if they don't pay it back over three years, then they will be taxed you know, ordinary income. Um, the expiration of these distributions is the end of this year. So that's one important deadline with this act. Um, another optional feature was loan modifications. Instead of the lesser of 50% or $50,000 that people could take from their plan if, if the plan allows loans, that got increased to 100,000 or 100% of the rest of the account balance. Um, that expired actually in September. So September 23rd was the last time that participants can apply for those loans. So you just wanna make sure your record keepers up to date and those loans are no longer available on, on, the, on their websites. Um, participants can also delay loan payments from the beginning of the COVID crisis to the end of this year. And then that ends at the end of this year and then you have to re-amortize remaining balances. Um, so that's really the big things, um, you know, at the end of this year, or I'm sorry, really, there's no other amendment at the end of this year for the CARES Act. That's pushed out to 2022. You have plenty of time. Again, your third-party administrator should be able to help you with that. Um, but that's that's really the only amendment that's required under the CARES Act. Again, pushed out for a few more years. That's all great information. And again, I know, um, you know, for, for any of you out there that are writing this down feverishly, um, we'll probably have some, some tools and some things that will provide a little bit of basic information for you um, that can be provided to you. And all you just got to do is ask um, and we'll get that out to you. Um, so let's talk back a little bit about the connections between health benefits and the conversation, financial wellness in general, and, and Specifically at, at year end, I know companies are, are doing so much to, to prepare their budgets for the next year. Um, throughout 2020, it's just been crazy for companies just to really even stay afloat. Um, and so they probably have pushed a lot of stuff onto the back burner. But Ben, are there some things that, that they really should be thinking about um, and maybe finding ways they can get some easy solutions to put into their their company right away? Sean, I think so. As you mentioned, we, we have a situation this year with the global pandemic and all the additional stress that employers are dealing with. And the fact is they've, they've had a lot more thrown on their plate. You couple that with the fact that we're in the fourth quarter. That's the busiest time of year for employers. Uh, they have open enrollment, uh, plan design changes that they're trying to educate their folks on. Uh, with their benefits packages. So it's kind of a tough time uh, to crack the door for fresh ideas. But one thing that we are talking about with our benefits consulting teams is how about next year when we get this behind us, first part of the year, everyone has new resolutions. It's a great time to introduce fresh ideas. And most of our benefits consulting teams have strategic planning sessions. So how about we introduce some of these ideas that tie the health and wealth piece together? whether it be an HSA plan, whether it be student loan repayment benefits to consider, or whether that be a robust financial wellness program like we can make available 
to our employees. So I'll, I'll start with the HSA. When we look at an HSA or a health savings account, that's the most tax efficient investment savings vehicle that exists today. Why not pair that with your 401k provider? It further reinforces it as an investment savings account. Uh, a lot of the providers we work with allow for a single sign-on. You have a comparable menu of investments. And as people get more and more on the track to being financially fit, they can use it as a savings account versus just a cash-in, cash-out healthcare bank account. Another area that we're having a lot of discussions today is with student loan repayment programs. Uh, one survey showed that that's the fourth most sought after benefit today. Um, you know, the, the millennial generation is saddled with debt. Um, when you look at the statistics, about 70% of recent college graduates have student loan debt with an average debt load of around $30,000. So when you take that into account, uh, statistics show that about 50% of the folks that fall in this camp don't feel as though they can afford to save for retirement. And what that results in is people are not prepared and able to retire on time. And ultimately that cost organizations money. And we have some statistics out there that show for folks that don't retire on time, the typical designated age in our industry is about 65. It can cost employers upward of $50,000 per year in the form of salary and wages, we all cost more on the healthcare front as we get older. And then depending on the industry, workers' comp can come into play. And then last but not least, I would say financial wellness programs, again, are very, very much uh, top of mind. Uh, we have some statistics that show employees say they're 60% more likely to stay with their employer longer if they offer some type of financial wellness uh, benefit. And, you know, if you, if you look at one survey, it says six in 10 people um, say that money, specifically saving for the future and paying for health care, is their number one life stressor. So I think financial wellness is, you know, here to stay. And I think employers are seeing its value uh, as it relates to, to helping their employees make better decisions financially. No doubt. I think uh, just giving the opportunity for employees to just learn some basic um, financial skills after they get into the workforce where they're dealing with it on a regular basis. And if we can reduce that stress um, and keep them more productive at work, I know there's all sorts of statistics about how much time people are spending at work dealing with their financial matters versus actually working. Um, and so that can be a big impact on people. And boy, it's, uh, it's a good opportunity. So financial wellness is not just a buzzword, not, not a buzz heart's sake word, but uh, it's not just a buzzword, but it is uh, something that, that people need to take into consideration. There's probably a lot of programs that are out there, Ben, that, that uh, are really easy to implement and probably just need some basic communication. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, what we see is employers are really interested in, interested in giving their employees access to financial counselors that are part of these financial wellness programs and getting assistance just in the core areas of budgeting, better debt management, how to build an emergency fund. Um, you know, there's a statistic out there that, that shows 58% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. Well, what happens if the HVAC unit goes out? They're in real, real trouble. So just kind of the ABCs, the basic blocking and tackling, nothing 
overly sophisticated, but basic financial assistance in getting folks on the road to recovery and being more financially fit is what we see most people being interested in. Uh, as people become more financially fit, uh, a more or a deeper dive into retirement planning, and then even wealth management services as they get on further down the road and they're in a better position to put more and more money away. Those are all great points. But you know, as people are coming to this part of the year and uh, they're also thinking about a lot of different things right now. Um, this has been a very volatile year in the stock market and they've seen their 401ks go up and down in value. Uh, there's uh, the pandemics going on. There's an election going on. There's there's uh, civil unrest in certain areas. <laughs> there are a lot of things that are happening. And um, but, you know, Jamie, how how should investors be thinking about the market during this well, what we think is unprecedented times. Yeah, Sean, you hit the nail on the head. You know, good call, Empire. Um, it is truly uh, historic times in which we're living in 2020. You know, very rarely is there do markets create a situation where it it it, it truly is a pivot moment for society. And what I mean by that is where, where it materially impacts the, the way we live our lives. You know, COVID is doing that. The last time before that was 9-11, um, uh, the, the atrocities of the Twin Towers falling. It really, it, it pivoted how we, how we think about things, how we travel. Really before that, it was, it was the civil unrest, uh, you know, similar to what we're experiencing now, associated with the Vietnam era protest. And, and then before that, it was, it was the Second World War. So these pivot moments really don't come around that often, but they do, and, and, and we're in one of them right now. So really, you have to focus on what's right for you based upon your particular needs, your particular circumstances, because these are extraordinary times, but hopefully you're going to live through several different uh, extraordinary times in your life. And what I mean by that is even the COVID crisis, as the example, it's, it's tragic. And, you know, as I mentioned, I, I'm in quarantine right now. But, uh, you know, it was, it was only 100 years ago that um, we had another terrible pandemic attack us and you know, we, we lost 30 million people. Again, uh, 30 times as many people as now with a global population that's a lot smaller. So even things like this are, are they occur every now and then, especially on a longer term time horizon and volatility occurs. And what I mean by that is what's amazing. Yes, the markets were extraordinarily volatile uh, to, to really kind of the beginning part of the year with the COVID crisis. But twice uh, within the last 20 years, the markets have gone down dramatically farther than they did uh, in late February through March. You know, during the global financial crisis of 2008, the markets were down twice as much as they were now. And so, unfortunately, this is the price of admissions to participate in what, what is a, a good process for the long run, but there's these inevitable bouts of volatility. So you always have to focus on what's right for you. As we say, you gotta build your portfolios to be all weather and nature. And that was on display big time here uh, with the COVID volatility. And as I mentioned, yeah, the market went down fast. Um, actually, that's what's historic about this downturn is that the markets fell faster. In only 23 days, they fell 35%. And the markets had never fallen that fast in history. Not even during the Great Depression 
when investment geeks like me were jumping out of windows on Wall Street and, and the unemployment rate was 25 percent and, you know, the world was was on fire. Um, it didn't fall that far that fast. But so the point is, markets had never fallen that fast. They were down 35 percent. But then what happened immediately on the heels of that? The market was over the next 100 days. Market was up over 50 percent. That was also the fastest on record. So that's what's truly historic about this year is the veracity of how quickly we went down and went up, how amazing that roller coaster ride is. And what the tragic uh, lesson that came out of this is that unfortunately, during the downturn, actually the darkest moment, March 23rd was the absolute bottom when the markets were down 35%, more investors panicked. More investors let fear instead of fundamentals drive decision-making. More investors, they sold more stocks on that day than any day in the history of the stock market. And so that's tragic. And that's our job to help people make more informed decisions. Again, uh, stick with the path that's right for them, regardless of what the headlines are telling us. Build those all-weather portfolios. And we're starting to see that again here soon with the election coming up. You know, really, the, the, everyone has their own political opinions. That's a great thing about living in a democracy. We all get to wear our politics on our sleeves these days. And, um, but what the data says, what the history says is that why would you let an election that comes around every four years dictate decision makings for investments that are key to, to your longevity for decades? Those, those timelines don't match up. And so uh, what it shows is, again, focusing on what's right for you, just like people focused on the wrong things during the bout of the COVID crisis, they make emotional decisions around election based on their own personal opinions. But the historical data says, really, since the 1960s, when a Democrat's in the White House, the stock market's made 9.2% per year. That's, that's good. And so when a Republican's in the White House, the stock market's only done 9.1%. And so I say that jokingly because they're essentially the same. And the point is, stay focused, stay focused on what's right for you, regardless of who's in the White House, which political parties in the White House. And that has been proven time and time again to be the right uh, investment thesis, regardless of the crazy headlines, regardless of the crazy COVID situation, regardless of what seems like a, a, a the most bitterly contested election of all time. These aren't, again, like I mentioned, only 100 years ago, um, a, a significantly larger amount of people were, 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 were fatally struck in by a terrible pandemic. We've had extremely volatile elections uh, through the course of time. You know, I'm reading a lot now. You know, Abraham Lincoln was was probably not going to get reelected up until a few months before the election of 1864 during the Civil War. And so if you say that wouldn't have as big of ramifications as now, again, that's just not understanding uh, the, the, the broader context of what drives markets. So again, that's what my team is here to do. Again, I'm Jamie. I'm, I'm, I'm our chief investment officer. It's my team's job to help people build those all-weather portfolios, stick through it, stick with it through the good times and the bad times, and just make more informed decisions. That's awesome. I'm not going to uh, jump out of any first floor windows anytime soon. Um, you know, I might not even jump off the curb, um, but I'll definitely be staying invested. Now, one of the things that does pop up every once in a while, Jamie, is, you know, this this whole idea that that there's some uncertainty around the election and whether or not the results are going to be delayed. I remember back in Bush Gore, there was a 12% downturn in the stock market um, back in, what was it, 2020 or 2000, 
right? So um, can you give us some some thoughts around that? Um, not that anybody should make any changes to their portfolio, but just what to be maybe expecting. Yeah, good point there. I'm glad the referee's really paying attention to the game. So we got, we got good eyes on the prize now. But yes, um, and so there is a high likelihood that the election outcome will, will not be known the night of. And really what, what I didn't know is typically about 20% of people mail in their votes. And this year they think that might be because of the COVID uh, crisis and people understandably and one with, you know, wanting to be a little bit more uh, hesitant to, to uh, go vote in person. That might be half of the voting population. Half of the votes are coming via the mail. And so the markets are actually anticipating not knowing the results the morning of November 4th, right after the election. And that's happened before, as Sean mentioned, kind of the hotly contested hanging chads of Florida in, in the year 2000 with Bush versus Gore. And that was about six weeks that it took the Supreme Court to, to finally decide that, that, that Bush was the, the winner. And during that six-week period, the stock market was down 12%. So you say, oh, well, that's not good for uncertainty. But that was actually part of a bigger situation. Again, you always have to look at the wider canvas. That was right when the technology bubble was bursting in the year 2000, when everyone thought pets.com was worth you know thousands of times what its earnings earnings was, kind of the infancy of the internet and that irrational exuberance that uh, the head of that Federal Reserve at that time, Alan Greenspan, uh, Greenspan mentioned. And so that was part of a larger issue. So yes, the markets went down, but it really wasn't driven by that election uncertainty. But the great thing is markets are always forward thinking. We like to talk about the past. You know, I'm, I'm talking about a disease that, you know, a pandemic happened 100 years ago, an election that happened 150 years ago. We like to talk about the past. But the great thing is markets look towards the future. And the markets are already actually assuming that there will be uncertainty with the election results. So actually, the surprise to markets would be if it is a orderly uh, election night in America. So, so really, that, that, that's not what you would feel. But again, that's interesting that the, the markets are, are looking at it that way. That's great. Great, great information. I know, like I said, I'm going to, I've got my allocation where I want it to be. And, and I, I work with a lot of employees and have tried to get them set up the right way as well, just so they don't make any reactionary changes or decisions in the short term, especially when they have to deal with things, uh, really looking at it in the long term. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've touched on a, a lot of information here. Um, ben, do you have any other items, uh, anything that people should just be thinking about right at the end of the year? Or do you want to um, emphasize anything you've already talked about? Well, I, I think what I would like to emphasize and just kind of make everyone aware of is that financial wellness is front and center of everything right now. Every conversation we have with prospects, uh, conversations we have with clients, they're seeking more and more help in this area. Uh, Jamie uh, and his team do a great job get, getting us information with regard to what we report on to the plan sponsor at the committee level in a room like I'm sitting in here today in a boardroom type setting. Um, but what we were pleased to see was that in the retirement plan space, unlike on the retail side of things, retirement investors for the most part stayed the course. There was very little movement on asset allocation. So now that we've met with our clients, they have a little bit of peace of mind there. However, these statistics that we've talked about at length uh, throughout this conversation still support the fact that pre-COVID, people were really struggling 
Sean, you mentioned uh, productivity loss on the job. Uh, you know, there, there are data points out there that show people are spending uh, three to four hours a week dealing with personal financial issues. So we talk a lot in the technology age about productivity gain. Well, that's a direct productivity loss uh, to the bottom line. So I think anything that we can do uh, to support employers and help them roll out programs that give their employees uh, just the basic fundamental uh, foundation to make, uh, to be empowered to make better financial decisions so they can have better financial outcomes is, is critical at this point in time. And I would just kind of tie that back into traditional health benefits programs and offerings. Physical health programs have been around for a long, long time. Uh, if you look at financial wellness, it's really been top of mind for the last couple of years, picked up steam maybe five years or so ago. But there's a lot of data out there that really spells out that these two wellness uh, programs, uh, physical wellness and financial wellness are more intertwined than people think. If people are financially stressed, they're not going to be as physically healthy. Uh, there are studies that show that financial stress can lend itself to cardiovascular disease, as well as substance abuse issues and a plethora of other uh, physical health ailments that people can deal with. So kind of, you know, closing it out on my end, what I would say is just uh, that holistic approach, um, acknowledging the health and wealth convergence that has that has happened uh, does need to be a part of your, your workforce strategy. And if if you don't acknowledge that, I think you're going to lose your competitive edge. And, uh, you know, your employees, the people that are your biggest asset, aren't going to be as well positioned to be as productive as they can be for you as a company. And ultimately, your company will pay the price. That was great, great information there uh, for sure. And it's definitely something the company should be thinking about. So it looks like we've gotten quite a few questions submitted to the chat and we've had our team answering these questions as quickly as possible. Um, but we've also noticed some trends in some of the questions. So we thought we'd point out a few of them and respond to them right now. So Buzz, we haven't heard from you in a while. So I wanted to push yours one right up front there. Um, what should a company be looking for in a 401k provider or a TPA? Is it size and scale or, or what are some of the other things they should be looking for? Well, size and scale are, are important. I, I think, um, you know, working with your advisor, your, your investment advisor is key and, and the, the TPA together, um, especially if you're looking for a record keeper, if we're looking at that first, um, you know, they're the experts. They know what record keepers are out there. I'm sure they're working with, with everyone. I think the most important thing uh, to consider is this is your plan. Make sure it's designed the way you want it to. Uh, and that's what we come in with. We, you know, the investments and the record keeper, we actually talk about at the end, you know, because they're everything's open to you. Um, so really plan design, making sure all the provisions are exactly how you want them to be. You know, do you want loans? Do you want hardships? And there's so many nuances to each of these provisions. They can really tailor it to your group uh, and to your goals and objectives. Um, so really, I mean, I think the most important thing is making sure the plan is, is, is designed the way you want and running the way it should be. Uh, administrative issues are always the issues that go off the rails, uh, but there's ways to correct these things. The IRS, DOL have come out with a lot of help in order to, um, you know, to correct certain issues and you're going to have them. You know, no plan is going to go through super clean. You're going to have some kind of record keeping or administrative issues. And that's where your advisors can help and your third party administrators, I guess, 
hope that answers the question, but that's it's it's important to make sure the plan is designed for the goals and the objectives of the employer, the plan sponsor. That's great. Um, we got another one. It says, um, I've contributed the maximum to my 401k for years. I'm just a few years from retiring. I believe it's still smart to contribute to the max. Am I correct? Um, there's not too many other investment options available. Well, I can handle that one as a longtime wealth guy and maybe Jamie can jump in, but um, I'll tell you, it's uh, anything you can do to maximize your retirement savings is always going to help you. I've never had anybody come to me and say, geez, I'm, I'm really upset. I have too much money in retirement. Um, so nobody ever complains about that. They only complain about not having enough. So um, it's, uh, it's always good to have a little bit of extra that you can that you can work with and and help yourself along the way. So continue to maximize wherever possible. Use whatever options are available inside the retirement plan as one of your first choices. And then from there, um, look for other things to do um, that are outside. And, and if you're confused or need some help, look to a professional like myself or maybe Jamie or, or some of the others that uh, an advisor who can give you some financial support and uh, suggestions. Any other thoughts, Jamie? Yeah, uh, Sean, you, you summed it up well. But yeah, the key is, is is to make sure you're optimizing everything within your control. And like you know, and what I mean by that is, say, taking advantage of, of investing accounts that have some kind of tax benefit to you, and that goes beyond just your your four hundred one k. You know, maybe maybe you have grandkids, maybe you have maybe you have grandkids. Um, that uh, you want to help fund their 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 college education, or you know, funding an IRA, or for high income earners looking at the potential of doing a, a, a backdoor Roth conversion. You know, there, there's a lot as as we talked about earlier. You know, you, utilizing the best investment account out there, a health savings account, if that can work with your particular health needs. And so the idea is, there's lots of different places. That, that you know you are objectively making a good decision because there's some tax benefit to it. And that goes way beyond your 401k. So again, please uh, never hesitate to reach out to our team because that's what we're here for is to help people make those more informed decisions to optimize uh, their financial picture. That's great. And Ben, hey, what, what percentage of your clients would you estimate are interested in learning more about or even offering financial wellness as a new benefit to employees? I would say nearly all of them. As I mentioned, in this day and time, people are looking to do anything and everything they can to empower their employees at the most basic level financially. So whether they adopt it or not, nearly all of our current clients are interested in learning more. I would say as it relates to talking to prospects, that is one of the topics that resonates more with them than any of the other things. You know, the day-to-day -day blocking and tackling of 401k consulting, which we're also passionate about, most of our clients don't get super jazzed up and excited about hearing about investment policy statements and our analytics packages and, you know, us talking about investments for, you know, 30 minutes during those meetings. They're more concerned with taking care of their employees. They assume if they're paying us a fee, we're going to do those types of things. So I would say um, it's been something that has been very popular uh, top of mind. And if, if I'm saying what's number one on the survey, that's definitely it. That's great. Um, are there a lot of providers out there that have the ability to help or integrate and pair an HSA with a retirement plan? Um, 
or I mean, are we still looking at companies that are just trying it? They're just at the beginning of integrating. Well, that's a great question. Uh, most of the best-in-class, top-tier providers have made investments in this space. Um, HSA, starting with that, some of them have built out their own HSA platforms, so it's totally integrated, uh, which is a nice feature if they're a large enough company to invest the way it needs to be uh, done and can be pulled off effectively. Uh, other large firms have taken a strategic partnership approach where they uh partner with one of the large HSA providers and private label it. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, either route you go, whichever strategy that major provider has deployed, it simplifies the game for plan participants and for employees. It, it gives them single sign on, it further reinforces it as an investment savings account. And when they see it right there, when they look at their 401k balance, it's only natural that they view it as a savings account. So, so we think that's, that's important and it's a big value add when it can be pulled off effectively. That's, that's awesome. I think we've had a tremendous amount of information. Uh, we're probably on information overload for some people out there because uh, there's a lot that we've talked about in a very brief period of time. And we're coming up on our end here. And so I just want to thank you and, and thank to all of the, the people who are helping us get this put together for today. Um, Jamie, Buzz, Ben, you guys have been tremendous. A lot of incredible information that we've that we've been able to glean from this. Um, these are indeed challenging times and it truly does pay to have a strategic partner who really sees the business holistically and helps you as uh, a plan sponsor, as an employer, um, look and balance the short-term and long-term objectives in order to survive and, and thrive um, during and post-pandemic. So as you need it, One Digital Strategic Workforce Consultants are here with expert guidance and support. We have a wealth of information that's out there, just so many people that are able to assist and give a lot of great information, help you navigate through the changing laws, regulations, as everything evolves. Um, um, don't hesitate one bit to reach out and learn more about what your advisor can do for you um, just to, to get you the support you need and to help you through these times. So once again, I'd like to remind everybody on today that you can view this employer advisory session and past sessions on our website, onedigital.com. You will also receive an email with a copy of today's recording, slide deck, and additional uh, supporting assets uh, following this session. So please stay safe, healthy, stay connected with your family, friends, and coworkers, and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much for attending today. Thanks, everyone. Thank, yeah, you. thank you.